morning, church family. Welcome. Happy Sabbath. TJ and I are continuing our series from Isaiah 58. But before we do that, a couple of things I want to mention first. A huge welcome to those of you online. I know you've been welcomed already, but I'm going to welcome you as well this morning. And for those joining us in person, so glad you're here. Thank you for the good music this morning, both the the special music, the magnificent flute, as well as the beautiful hymns and choruses. Thank you. With that, we're going to get into today's teaching. TJ and I are going to continue with the gathered church. TJ, why don't you start us off with prayer for this study time? I invite you to bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we are tremendously grateful again for this opportunity to be in your presence. Mm -hmm. We ask for your Holy Spirit to dwell with us now as Nathan and I speak. We pray for wisdom um, and that our hearts and minds may be turned towards you during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. As TJ and I have gone through this journey together, we have been personally moved by the Holy Spirit, we believe, as we reflected on the text and sensed God's call um, to us We regularly, either individually or in conversation, observe to each other that we keep coming across things that we sense are new to us, not new in the text of Scripture, but new discoveries to us. We also sense that the implications in those discoveries is that God is calling us to change. Today we want, you know, as we were thinking about what to teach today, there's a couple of options. One, we can simply give you a list of what we think are the appropriate responses to our journey. We can just say, here's the list of things we think you should do or we should do. But as we continue to reflect, we sense that this is a moment for us as a church to respond to what God is calling us to do. That rather than church leaders sending out a list of the things you should do, that as the people of God, we should instead have a conversation about how we sense God leading us individually. After all, we have one shepherd, right? Jesus was pretty clear about this in, uh, in Matthew chapter 23. He was pretty clear about this. He said to, his, to, to the listeners, It's during the final week of Jesus' life. Jesus said, don't call anyone teacher, don't call them master, etc., because you have one teacher, one master, and that's Jesus. We think that is still true in the church and that you and I are not gathered to follow a couple of elders, an elder board or a pastor, but we're actually all gathered around a single leader, and that single leader is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we think that God is speaking to your hearts as he's speaking to our hearts. So we're actually intending to be fairly short today. We're going to open the floor. We would like your feedback as we've been sharing with you, as you've been reflecting and spending time with God. Where do you sense God calling you? Where do you sense God calling us? How do you sense God speaking into your life, our life of what to do next, what next steps to take as the people of God. It's pretty common in the the scriptures to find one of the corporate gatherings or the corporate responses among God's people has been around the act of repentance, the Acts church. Jesus tells the disciples, go wait. And their waiting time was a waiting time corporately seeking reconciliation with God and each other. We find other times Israel returns back to Jerusalem. It's been sacked by the Babylonians some years before. They returned under Nehemiah, Ezra's leadership. They return to this, this wasted territory and come back for rebuild. Nehemiah and Ezra both note how God's people corporately responded In fact, I think it's the story of Nehemiah, finds the people standing in the cold rain, corporately responding to the call of God to repentance and revival. Repentance simply means acknowledging, hey, we went about this, we've been going about this wrong, we want to change course. That's repentance. It's really simple, not a complicated word, just a simple, oops, we've been going down the wrong road, course correction. And the people of God corporately have been gathered. One of the things they've done is gathered for course 
correction. We sense in our own lives a time of course correction, a call for course correction. One more word about the text. We've looked at Isaiah 58. In Isaiah 58, sometimes you can feel like we're looking over the shoulders of somebody else being rebuked. It's, after all, it's words of Isaiah, words of God through Isaiah to an ancient people who were losing their way under some Hebrew kings leading up to Manasseh's reign. God's calling. So we're just looking over their shoulders, trying to learn what we can from them, but it's really their problem, not our problem. But when it comes to Revelation's message in to Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, all of a sudden, it's not a message to them, it's a message to us. We understand prophetically that the message to the church in Laodicea, while it was a message to a local church, it was uniquely as a message to the church living before the coming of Jesus. There is a sense in which no longer in the message of Revelation 3 are we looking over someone else's shoulders, but now we're the ones in the spotlight. So this is a shift from learning from somebody else to actually listening ourselves to this prophetic assessment and counsel to us. We're going to look at Revelation 3 fairly briefly today, and we're inviting all of us to hear this message as a message spoken to us, not to them, but to us. Because after all, prophetically, it appears that's the intent of the Revelation 3 message. Long introduction, TJ, I'm sorry, but you're going to no, get no to, you can make any comments you want to, and then Take us into the text. No, I just think that um, as we were studying this over, over the past two weeks, um, just the, the profound nature of the message um, and what we've seen over the course of the past few weeks that we've been, been doing this is this consistent theme that God continues to try to get his people to understand. Mm -hmm. And as we've looked at various texts, we see it interwoven throughout anything. And it was quite revealing um, as we looked at Revelation 3 and this message to Laodicea that this theme became even more prominent. And we think that um, as it represents the message to this last day church, it is critical that we understand what that theme is and what God is requiring of us. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it. We'll let's start reading with Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church of the, of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful, and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you were neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because of your lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Also, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear, what the Spirit says to the churches. We're going to go back through that text. Again, not a deep, long processing. As we do that again, an invitation to hear the message as the one to whom it's directed. We're, not, we're no longer looking over the someone else's shoulder. We are now the ones receiving this message. So we're going to just start right back with verse 14, slow it down, and make a few comments along the way. And then again, we're going to open the floor. We want to hear what you are sensing God calling 
you two. This is us as a corporate body saying, God, how do we respond? We feel like, you know, we tend to go to church, hear a sermon, go home and get on with life. But if this stuff really matters, it, there comes a time where we have to say, okay, what does all this mean for us? Okay, let's get into it. Back to the text. If you want to look, we're only going to go to a handful of texts this morning. So if you can't see because of the beautiful manger scene, you can always pull it up in your print text or your, uh, your, your uh, digital text. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, of the Laodiceans, right? Laodicea, by the way, was a wealthy town. It was also a town with a water supply from Heropolis. That water supply started as a hot spring. By the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. Great for bathing, unless you like hot baths. Not so good for drinking because it was lukewarm water. Here's the message. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The amen, amen is simply means let it be so. You may have said at the end of your prayer, in fact, you may say it with every prayer in Jesus' name, amen. That amen, that let it be so, fairly common language in the scriptures is the introduction here is Jesus introducing himself to the church as the one who is certain, the one who makes things so. You'll notice in this introduction that Jesus is really reinforcing the sense that he is a dependable witness. He's also reinforcing the sense that he has the capacity to address the problem he's about to diagnose. And we're going to notice that in this introduction. Faithful and true witness, faithful here being trustworthy. The, the message the witness brings to the church is so difficult for the people to whom it's written to take in that the witness has to reinforce their credentials, speaking his credentials, Jesus reinforcing his credentials, that what he's saying is actually true because the people to whom it said us have a really hard time conceiving that the witness's assessment is indeed true about me, about us. This last line, the beginning of the creation of God, reminds us of John, the beginning of John, the gospel of John, John 1, you may remember this, all things were made through him. In fact, the text says, verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. This beginning of the creation of God language here in Revelation chapter 3 gives us the idea that all created life has its start place in Jesus Christ. So when he introduces himself to the church of Laodicea, he says, listen, first of all, the witness I'm bringing to you is absolutely certain and true because I'm the ultimately faithful, accurate witness. My assessment of all the assessors, I have the capacity to assess accurately. So take what I'm saying seriously. That's the message. But number two, don't lose heart because all of new created life begins with me. Your new start can begin with me. So a hope as well as a challenge to really listen because he's telling us the truth we don't want to hear. When we hear it, we can hear it with hope because all new life begins with him. All right, this statement is a reestablishment of authority. Mm. His authority yes. to tell them about themselves, yep. right? Saying, I am your creator. Mm. I am the one that you can trust and rely in. Mm -hmm. right, so as I tell you these things, believe them and move forward. Okay, take us to the next part of the text. I know your works, that, are you, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And one of the things that we brought forward this morning is just the imagery, right, of spewing something out of your mouth, not just taking it in, tasting it, and seeing that it's undesirable, but it's been ingested, right? They have become or, or come to him 
but because of who they are, they are undesirable and must be spewed out of his mouth and separated from him. Mm. Remember, he's speaking to us. This is the thing that, with God's help, we have to let land in our hearts that this is not an assessment of somebody else that we're peering in on, trying to see what parts apply. This is an assessment of us. We're the ones to whom he's speaking. We're the ones who are not hot or cold, but lukewarm. And this is not an assessment of TJ. This is an assessment of me and TJ. We hear this corporately together as the body of Christ. What does it mean to be lukewarm? The text itself actually addresses this. Notice, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot, right? So here's the assessment. Because you say, here's why you're lukewarm. Because you say, I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The thing that places us in the lukewarm condition is the divergence, the disparity, the difference between our self-assessment and reality. We assess ourselves to have great spiritual wealth, but simultaneously we are spiritually bankrupt. That's what it means to be lukewarm, to have this vast breakage between who we think we are and who we actually are. I wonder, as believers, how accurate is our own self-assessment? How willing am I to hear that I'm actually undone in the face of the fact that I think I have a lot of spiritual resources, that I feel pretty good about myself. That's why the true witness says, coming in, listen, my assessment of you is accurate. I'm qualified to make this assessment, and I'm telling you the truth because the truth for us is actually really hard to hear and take in. So what these folks have done is that they have substituted their spiritual knowledge, the wealth of spiritual knowledge that they have for their relationship Mm. with God. They have believed that because they know all this, that that somehow equates to their closeness or connection with God. But Mm. in reality, it's actually detestable to him. Mm. And we see that married up with Isaiah 58. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. In fact, I put it here. We've talked about Isaiah 58, but here's the connection. Notice God's people, ancient people back there in Isaiah's time had a very similar message to them. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. This is Isaiah being given instruction. Tell my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sins. So they're in deep, deep trouble, yet they seek me daily Delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. We do share something with our ancient relatives, and that is that we see ourselves differently than God sees us. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's move on. Now we're going to take a little bit more targeted focus Mm. on a few of these texts. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. And here's where I really want to take our focus. What is this gold refined in fire that Christ is asking us to buy from him? So we're going to take a look at a few texts and then two statements. The first text, Song of Solomon 8, verse 6. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. So here we have love compared to fire. Hmm. The next text, 1 Peter 1, 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it is tested by fire, may be found, excuse me, may be found to praise, honor, 
may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So faith compared to gold. And this next text will tie the two together, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So the text calls out the working of faith and love together, not pointing outwardly, but inwardly at us. Hmm. Now, before we go to these two statements, again, I want you to recall that this is a message that is going to the last day church. It is a last message of warning. And as we read these two statements, just contemplate what's being said. The gold mentioned by Christ, the true witness, which all must have, has been shown me to be faith and love combined. And love takes the precedence of faith. Hmm. Love takes the precedence of faith. Next statement. What is the gold which the true witness counsels us to buy of him? It is faith and love combined. Faith leads us to act. And what is love? A tender care and solicitude for perishing souls. Faith and love go hand in hand. Next section. Sorry, one second. And this love, the church as a general thing, is almost entirely destitute of. And now shall we earnestly labor to win back this grace? We have lost disinterested benevolence. Mm. By the way, disinterested benevolence is, is uh, parlance, 1900s parlance. Today, we would say no strings attached kindness. That would be the modern way of, the modern vernacular. The kind of love that doesn't require you to come to my church mm. because I do something for you. I'm not seeking anything. I am merely trying to express the love and character of Christ in everything that I do, mm. regardless of what the outcome is. It is just by nature who I desire to be. Mm. You know what I noticed as, as um, TJ and I were talking about this gold refined in the fire concept, often we think of faith being refined through trial, right? Mm -hmm. But most of the time when we're in a circumstance of trial, we're kind of at the end of our rope. So faith is like the only option left, right? It's you're in that circumstance where you feel like your back's against the wall and there's no way out. So how is that the greatest faith refining experience if the only reason we're having faith is because we have run out of options? In the Revelation 3 passage, faith refined by fire, if, if fire is love and, and the gold represents faith, our faith is refined primarily as we exercise ourselves in no strings attached kindness. Because think of it, when we exercise kindness with no strings attached, number one, we cannot expect any kickback. We're giving without the certainty of an outcome, a positive outcome. All our loving could actually be wasted. Number two, the kind of giving conceived in God's radical giving is always optional giving. Your back isn't backed into a corner. You can give or not give. It's in your hand. You have the resources to give or to keep. And so the, the refining power of selfless living is that when we give when it's optional to give or not to give is an act of greater faith than when the only thing left is our faith. Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, to, to choose to give to someone in a circumstance that may or may not work out for the best of the giver, when that giver can choose to give or not give is a greater act of faith than leaning into God when we have nothing left. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, an amazing revelation to come to that Christ is telling them what you lack are faithful acts of love for perishing souls. Hmm. I think Eileen this morning made, it, made a great point that this, this faith that we sometimes struggle with, struggle with is a gift. Yes. 
but a gift given to us, but also a gift meant to be shared, mm-hmm. right? And that's what he's trying to relay to his church, that what I want you to gain from me, right, in exchange for your false belief in what wealth is, mm. is true wealth, is true faith that causes you to act in love to those around you. Mm, that's right. It's worth noting that all of these, this council text is, is giftedness. I counsel you to buy from me. This is, these are all received blessings to counteract the lukewarm state of seeing ourselves with this inflated self-assessment that is completely missing the reality that we're actually spiritually bankrupt. So the next one in this passage, first we have the gold refined by fire. Next we find, uh, let's see, white garments is the next one that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Interestingly, the white garments are referenced in Revelation 19 like this. She has been given the finest pure white linen to wear. Notice it's a gift. This gift is... As interpreted here, the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Faith and love is the gold refined in the fire. The white garment is a life of selfless giving and love toward others. Also a gift. Character, you might say, is this white linen garment a gift to us by the true witness and exhibited as we live out the love of God around us. So you might say the white garments, by the way, righteous character, and that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. That revealed language is judgment reference. The last one. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says Mm. to the churches. A couple of observations. Notice this, as many as I... What does it say? Can you see that first line? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So this message is spoken to us because God has a deep abiding love for me and for you. Notice this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you're knocking, which side of the door are you on? That's a pretty painful assessment told to us. The implication is that for us, the church of God now, the likely location of Jesus is not inside, but outside waiting to come in. Remember, the introduction ends with that promise. I'm the beginning of the creation of God, right? I'm the one where all new life starts. So I want you to notice the first Four words, to him who what? Overcomes. Our, the assessment of us is not hopeless, provided we, what was it? That invitation, therefore be zealous and repent. Provided we respond to the message, this assessment is a gift to us and full of hope. If we don't take this assessment seriously... We're in serious trouble. That's the point of the Revelation 3 message is that the church before the coming of Jesus is in dangerous territory. That's why this call is to us. Before we look to, to, to the congregation, one of the things that I wanted to, to call to your attention that I, I draw parallels with our experience and that of one we see in um, uh, Second Kings chapter 22 with Hilkiah, the high priest, mm. who is sent on a mission to start preparing the house of the Lord. And in doing so, they discover the book of the law. And when they discover the book of the law, it gives them the opportunity 
to now repent for what they have done, identify what God desires for them to do, and then drive a new path forward. Hmm. I see that same thing here at this church. Some three years ago, we started an effort to redefine our mission and our vision. And through that effort, we have been shown so much what God desires of us. The question is, what are we now going to do with the light that God has displayed for us? Mm. When Josiah read the book of the law, he led the people to repent for their sins, for the incorrect path that they had gone down now. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? What are we going to do now that we've been shown this? How do we move forward as a church based on the direction that God has given us? Mm. Live stream folks, my apologies, this is not super friendly for the live stream audience. But for those of you in-house, if you're online, by the way, feel free to respond. I don't know that I'm going to get those responses here, but if you're online, feel free to respond and uh, someone will be responding back to you. We'd love to hear your comments. But for those of you gathered here, whether you're new here, visiting today, or have been here since you were born, um, what are you sensing God's call to you? That's the last piece that we wanted to have today, literally just opening the floor and saying, where do you, what do you sense God moving in your heart? Again, whether you're here for one day or whether you've spent a lifetime in Brunswick, what's God speaking to you about the next way forward, either for yourself or for us as the body of Christ? Carol. Thank you. So for me, um, I feel like the Lord is really putting me back on a journey back towards um, family, mm. my children, my grandchildren. They're all in Washington, and I'm going to be leaving the 23rd for the winter to go back and help one of them. But I'll be helping, yeah, with surgeries and that kind of thing and whatnot. But I'm scared. I, uh, things aren't great with, with my children and I in some ways, and in other ways they are great. It's like they want me there, but then the whole God part of it is really hard for them. And I can't not share Christ because Christ is in me. It's who I am. But at the same time, it's like they're attracted, but they're repelled at the same time by this. And so I'm, and there's mental illness in there too with the children. And it's difficult. And I've been here and I've been on a break. Um, God, God gave me a break to just the Sabbath rest is in Christ. Mm. Rest in Christ. And so the Lord is telling me just don't feel like you have to preach, but just try to show the love. It's, there's still going to be opportunities to share, but just try to just show the love. Which sounds easy, but it's really hard when you have mentally ill children that one moment might be fine and then the next minute they're attacking you like, like crazy, like, like a mad demon. And it's wearing, and I'm, I'm a bit scared, I'll be honest. But I feel like God is calling me back into that mm. for a little season. For a season. I don't know if it'll be something that I go back to permanently or not, but for a season. And God wants me to shine the light in the darkness. Mm. And uh, I'm a little bit scared. And I'm going to really have to trust in him because it's, I can be really torn down by my own children who mm. I love dearly, but they can really injure me. Mm. And they have injured me severely. Um, but I still love them, and I'm still going to try. But by the grace of God, I have to just rest in Him. Mm. Not feel like I have to do it all. I have to rest in Him and just kind of hold His hand as I walk through this and try to show love. So pray for me while I'm gone. But I know the Lord is with me. I will rest in Him. I've been resting in Him. 
But now I got to take some action. I got to show that love mm. in a different kind of a way that is maybe a little hard for me. Maybe other people it's not so hard for, but for me it is. So, anyway. So you have just pegged in your story the connection between faith and love. That's it. When we lean into radical loving, it requires leaning back on God, which is the act of faith. I want to pray for you. God, we're so thankful for Carol, and it's, it's been a joy to have her here this year. And... Um, She's, she is leaning into love in a tough way. And I just ask that you, we ask as a family of God that you would be with her, that she would have the clear sense that you're walking with her, that as she steps into this sometimes hostile environment, that her life would be this compelling story of radical love, of your radical love. Sustain her. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, with that statement, Carol, one of the things that we have, have constantly talk, talked about during this series is the idea of character development because we know that that is the only thing that we'll be able to take to heaven with us. Mm -hmm. right? it, your, your spiritual knowledge won't account for anything if your character doesn't match the character of Christ. Right? When we looked at Revelation 18 and that glory that goes throughout the world, that's Christ's character. That's what we're supposed to be carrying forward. So what you're doing with your family right, is an example of that. And we'll certainly be praying for you. Yes, for sure. Anyone else? It's okay. Your story doesn't have to be like Carol's. It's our story, your story. Anyone else? What, how is God moving your heart back There's a mic coming to you. There you go. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Well, I, I often think about the, the great controversy and who is the enemy. The enemy is Satan, obviously, but those verses are, we know it's truth, and it's hard. It's, it's like on the one hand, it's like a, a double-edged sword as the Bible we know is, the Word of God. It seems it's a hard thing, but yet I think about in the Garden of Eden, what happened was that, that, that innocence that Adam and Eve had, that intimacy that they had with Jesus was stolen by the enemy. That robe that they had covering them was the heavenly garment, the, his character, his love. And the spiritual eye salve was taken because Satan lied and said, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And now it's like, here we are. We're at the very end of time. And Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same. And he is love. But what he yearns for, because he loves us so much, is he wants us to be clothed with that garment again and for us to have that spiritual eye salve and that's what I pray for for myself and um, for all of us you know he, he is love he loves us and he wants us to love one another mm. yeah. thank you I, I think one of the other things that we've noticed in Isaiah 58 and here in Revelation 3 as well is that um, the, the level of deception that we are under Mm. Okay. Revelation tells us that the whole world was deceived. And traditionally, I've always come at that from a, well, they were deceived about the Sabbath and the day of worship. And it does include that, but it also encompasses how we are to honor and worship on the Sabbath, as well as the deception about God's character. Mm. Right? So this, this is a multifaceted thing. Right? And as we come and things are revealed to us, right, that, that I salve, helping us to see the deception, recognize it, and then move away from it mm -hmm. is critical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, the thing that I can't help but hear when I see the words, um, to he who overcomes as I have overcome, is I ask myself, what are they overcoming? And to me, it, it boils down to selfishness. And then I sort of ask myself, what does that mean for myself, but also what does that mean for us corporately? What does that mean for how we do church? That's what I'm asking. Right. And the question is, does it, does it look like it is right now, or is it something different? And we come and we, we, we have our format, we have our programs that we enjoy. But can we say that what we're doing today is helping to develop the character of Christ within us and spreading it to those around us? Not that we forget those inside, right? But we do have a mission and purpose in this community. Mm. And is what we're doing right now beneficial for the spiritual growth of the people around us? It's a hard question to ask. A lot of us have grown up in this. We've been doing it the same way for a long time. And based on what we've seen these past few months, we have to start asking ourselves, is that what he desires from us? Mm. We've already seen in Isaiah 58 what he defines as true worship. Are we living that mm. within these walls and outside? It's a pretty big and important question. Yeah, yeah up front Peter. here. Karen, Karen needs a mic here. I'm watching the clock too, so I, I know that uh, some of you want to eat some food at some point. So just know I'm watching the clock and, and we'll bring things to an end shortly. I'm so glad I'm here today. We're glad you're here too. I have been estranged from my sister for about three years now. We were always so very, very close ever since birth. We were both born the same year. We were very close growing up and um, in our adult lives. Um, I saw her the other day. I was in the laundry room. And uh, she came in. Um, and something came over me. And I know now it was the Holy Spirit. Mm. I didn't realize it then, but I did that night. I was kind to her, loving, caring. We spoke. She was congenial. Um, she has hurt me so many, many times in the past three years mm. where I've been angry, selfish. Um, because I wanted her to be different. And I finally had to accept where she's at and just keep loving her. Mm. And I pray for her every day. And the other day during our uh, communication, I just cannot believe the love that was pouring out of me. Mm. I didn't do it. I wasn't even that aware, but that night, I knew it was the Holy Spirit mm. that gave me that. I had some hope again, but when I do pray, it's God's will, mm. not mine. Mm. Amen. Amen. Would you pray for Karen and her sister? Yeah. Lord, we lift up our, our sister Karen before you now, Lord, um, in a relationship with her sister, that you may guide and lead, Lord, that the love that she feels that is pouring out of her, Lord, will continue 
and that the Holy Spirit may work on her sister as well, that their bond that they experienced as children can be rekindled, Lord, and that your will may be accomplished in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. We probably have room for one more comment if you'd like. Anyone else? Okay, right on the front. I was not planning to speak, um, but I, I wanted to respond to your question, TJ. Um, is what we're doing here valuable? Mm. And I say, yes, it is. If we weren't here together doing this, we wouldn't even be hearing these concepts mm -hmm. and this relationship between Isaiah 58 and, and the message to us in Revelation. Um, but also, I don't think it can be an either or. Mm -hmm. It has to be a this and, mm -hmm. you know, because what we do here is, for some people, it's the only gathering they have all week mm -hmm. to be with people who believe as they do, who want to worship God in spirit and truth and in music. And it's uplifting and strengthening mm -hmm. for us then to go out into the mm -hmm. world, you know? Mm -hmm. And so as our... I don't know why that's... Maybe closer. Closer? Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Um, so as our characters are being refined and love is being um, created and strengthened in us, then we have, through God's strength, the ability to go and share that with mm -hmm. others and let his character be seen in the world, in our neighborhood, in our families. So I say, yes, it's important, yeah. even the way we're doing it now, because that's not the end of the story. That's the, that's the, like the home base, the touch point, and the jumping off point is how I see it. Right, right. it's a component, right? It shouldn't be the all. When, right. when we come here and gather, right, for that refreshing and renewing, it should foster in us a desire to then go and do, not just sit, consume, and then have that be the end of it. But this, this weekly gathering should motivate, should fill us. Right? We, we talked earlier in earlier messages about the, the idea of um, the Sabbath blessing that we get or the, the Sabbath lifestyle right? Mm. that should be pervasive throughout the week. So we come here to get filled for the purpose to disseminate that out to those around us. And also, obviously, we're here to turn our attention mm -hmm. and our eyes mm -hmm. and our praise to God. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I found a statement in Ellen White in The Desire of Ages that almost shocked me a little bit. Mm. Um, it said there will be but two classes, and this is talking about when we're gathered in heaven. Their eternal destiny will be determined by what they have done or have neglected to do for him and the person of the poor and suffering. Mm. Mm. It just kind of shocked me. Mm. I, des I desire that focus more. Mm. Um, yes, I need my own spiritual life to be strong, but I want that desire to look at every person I come across as a soul that God loves. Mm. Um, and that in some way, whether it be a smile or whatever, and I think that focus will change us. Mm -hmm. You know, we can try to change by doing some things. Mm -hmm. Doing for others will change us. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. I think that's the link again between faith and love. The refining power of love is in the act of loving. It's transformative. Right. And again, this is, this is not an either or. Right. This is a full incorporation of the character of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what we're seeking to have. And the questions that we want to challenge you with are not necessarily implying a specific course of action, mm -hmm. but rather saying we sense God calling for a course correction. We don't actually know entirely what that looks like. The church has had all kinds of formats over the generations. 
but a single mission. And so the question is, what does that look like for us to hear the Revelation 3, the Isaiah 58 message, and then respond here? What does that look like? And literally a serious question to us corporately. How does it form us so that we increasingly reflect the love of Jesus to our community, again, indiscriminately, among ourselves, outside our walls. It, we're not focused on just the people across the street, nor just the people in-house. It's a love that indiscriminately cares for the people around, neighbor, family member, church family, etc. I think we got to wrap up. Some folks are hungry. I'd happen to be one of them. I appreciate your reflection. Again, the point is for us together to say, okay, what does it mean for us to hear and respond differently than just coming, listening, and going home and still kind of doing the same thing we've done for a thousand years? Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege of being the family of God. We're in this together. No, no one of us deserves any respect as teacher or elder or pastor because we are all following a single teacher, pastor, Jesus. Help us to hear the voice of our pastor and follow him where he's calling us. Help us to know what that means for us individually, what that means for us corporately. God, we need it because the thing you want to do here isn't something that church leaders accomplish. It's something that the shepherd of this church, Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God, accomplishes. And we need that so much. So we ask for it, and we come because of Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, visit us online at brunswickadventist.church.